Commutify presents Between the Lines with Andy Keaton. Each week, we explore the challenging issues transportation demand management professionals face on their journey to transition commuters from driving alone to more sustainable, shared and active commuting habits. Be sure to subscribe to hear next week's episode and check out our exclusive commuter playlists on Spotify. This is Between the Lines with Andy Keaton. Hey everyone and welcome on board to Between the Lines. Thanks for being here today. Today we have a special guest coming in, one of the partners of us here at Commutify. On um, this episode, we're talking to Chris Pike. He's a senior vice president of product at Arc, which is the company powering the platform behind the U.S. Green Business Count- Green Building Council's lead certification process. Uh, we're really excited to have you on today, Chris. Thanks for being here. It, it's it's a privilege, and I really appreciate. We love working with you guys, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Awesome, cool, and so. This is interesting to you know the TDM listeners out there. Why are we bringing in someone who's talking about lead scoring, talking about uh, you know green, green green building council? What does that have to do with TDM? It has a lot to do with TDM. We're going to get into that, but it comes down to our episode topic today, which is why scoring is going to help save the planet. Um, so this is a really a really good topic. It's near and dear to my heart as well. So. Chris, to, to get started, can you tell us a bit more about, you know, what, how do you use scoring on a day-to-day basis? What is a lead score? What is lead certification? And how does ARC play into this? Just give us the overview. Absolutely. I'm happy to do that. So let me, let's, let's jump in. You know, why do, first, as you said, what is scoring? Why do we do it at all? And so for me, so our, our, our role is, let's start with our mission. Our mission is to use performance data to recognize better spaces, buildings, and places around the world, right? So to do that, we understand that there are many kinds of performance data that you could collect. You could collect trip generation, VMT, mode split, energy efficiency, uh, uh, heat island effect. The reality is there are t- there are there's there's too many too many metrics that we we can't hold them in our brain. We can't understand trade offs. And so fundamentally what scoring is, is a, a simplification. We, we, it gives us a way to simplify, digest, and communicate what those variables mean. The second thing scoring does is it allows us to compare. So because we have disparate data from dif- different places, so the fundamental thing is a data reduction. We simplify data by bringing multiple lines of evidence into a score, and then we interpret it by putting it into context with others. That's why we do what we do with scoring. Yeah, that's really interesting. And um, yeah, I mean, th- th- this makes sense because what's going on in the transportation space is how do we compare something like, you know, uh, a, a five minute bike ride with a, a 20 minute drive? I mean, they're completely different with it with an hour long transit ride. If we're looking at VMT, then the, the drive might be the worst one because it's a vehicle mile traveled. Um, but if we're looking at something like, you know, uh, in, uh, like commuter happiness or uh, well-being, then maybe these longer commutes are worse. So it's trying to figure out how we do this and, and how we actually baseline it because there's a lot of different things going into it. No, that's and, exactly right. Maybe to build on what you said for half a second, I know you got a question going in there, but this is, it is that issue that it's, the reality is we can measure a lot of things. 
But measurement is not interpretation and saying, okay, what, what is good? What is bad? What is preferred? And then even then we have to integrate multiple lines of evidence. So how do we trade off your bike commute rate from your pedestrian rate, from your SOV rate, from your, uh, from your transit rate? And there is no world. And I think certainly our, our, our transportation planner friends, they, there is, we have too many variables. And so what we do in our rating system world is we say, okay, this is what we think better looks like. And we can provide a good, better, best representation. That, that's actually our role. Our role is not to create the metrics. Our role is to, is to fold the metrics into an interpretation that we think constitutes buildings that are better for people in the environment. And that, so that's actually our role. And a lot of people don't understand that. And they think, oh, I don't want that score. Just show me the data. The problem is most of the time you show them the data and they go, oh, what does that mean? And you're like, well, I, how about the score? <laughs> so, I mean, we could talk about, well, obviously we'll talk about in that in different ways, but I find that it goes in circles uh, in, in, in reality. <laughs> yeah, it's true because I, I mean, I've been in that same conversation before where it's like, yeah, you have, you know, 1.8 million pounds of CO2 annually from your commutes. Uh, okay. And is that, is that good? Is that bad? And you're like, well, you know, the average is 1.5 million. Okay. So I'm only a little bit, what does that mean? You know? And so giving a score of like, you're on a scale of, let's say seven out of 10, that's a lot more helpful to me. Um, I think it helps people baseline that behavior, kind of get that understanding. And one one of the reasons we're excited to talk to you here is because ARC and the USGBC working together on this lead certification. I mean, leads, lead scoring is, uh, you know, the gold standard, the platinum standard, uh, we're working towards platinum here, obviously on the lead on lead scoring, but uh, it's the it's the standard here of, of taking these complex things, in this case, building environmental data that's just completely disparate, going all over the going all over the place and, and putting it into a score. It's pretty interesting. Um, so yeah, I mean, this goes to something I've been saying, something you've been saying as well, is helping us to actually build a baseline to help us actually understand what a you know, random metric means. Um, most of most people are not experts in, in every little metric. So that's where the scoring can help. So from, you know, in your industry, in, in the, you know, building the green building kind of space, um, and then maybe specifically as well in the TDM and the transportation, the commuting space, uh, how do we use scoring or how do you use scoring to actually take these numbers and put them into a single number or a yeah, single. So that, that, that's a great question. And so let's, let's talk about, you know, what we, you know, what we try to do fundamentally as uh, the, the space that we exist in is real estate generally. And so in that real estate space, we are addressing market failures with information. So that's the first, that's the first reason we do anything. So we want to give people insight when they are considering when they're creating, operating, owning, leasing a piece of real estate, what what is this like from a transportation perspective? Are there are there multiple travel modes? Are there uh, do do folks commute with non single occupancy vehicles? Do they have uh, uh, storage and changing rooms and and various TDM measures? Right. So our point is either to inspire action, to give transportation options, or to create transparency about how that how that piece of real estate fits in the system. And ultimately, we are judgy about that in the sense of lead that we believe <laughs> that there is a superior choice. We want to get to create positive competitive differentiation 
for those locations which have short commute distances, high mode choice, low carbon alternatives. And so we are trying to define that through multiple metrics. And so our purpose is to recognize those. We, we, we regard those as better buildings that and buildings with those characteristics. And so we set criteria for those. We score against those criteria and we hope we, we inject that information into the development operations and leasing conversation. So that's why we do what we do. Our scores have a special purpose. So we, uh, first off, we we do we are our philosophical. Okay, score. Uh, one thing I haven't said yet: scores reflect values. Fundamentally, they are the the, mm -hmm. the inputs to a scoring system are usually fairly objective. But when we start blending your choices, those blendings create val uh, reflect values. So my value about transportation as, as against energy efficiency, as against water, as against indoor experience. So that is what we do through the lead governance process. So we have volunteers, they come in, they hash it out, and that is reflected on a scorecard. That is not science, that's values. The metrics are science <laughs> and the roll-up is values. Yeah. And, those va and so the combination of values plus metrics is a score. And so our particular score, so ARC is the part of the USGBC universe where we provide scores for at least three kinds of lead rating systems. We provide scores for cities and communities, existing buildings, and recertification. So basically anything that can be measured in the real world. And so whether you're a city and you're putting in information on VMT per capita, whether you're a building and you're putting in information on commute distance and carbon intensity, perhaps using the Commutify tools for that, or you're pursuing recertification, which is entirely performance-based. There are three different score families. We implement the scores that are approved by the lead steering committee. Those scores make up a substantial portion of recognition through lead. And again, it, that, that increasingly is happening across scales. So you're working at a, you can be working at a commercial interior, you can be working at a whole building, you can be working at a neighbor, like a business improvement district or an entire city. There are obviously we all know there are different there are different mobility metrics at each of those scales, and 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 that's a challenge. Now, so that that's what we do today. So operationally, we provide those kind of scores in 131 countries. We serve about 4.8 billion square feet of commercial property, and that's our job is to provide information about those 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 qualities and to to incentivize people to do more of that good stuff like TDM measures. And one of the things I think that you rightfully pointed out, and it's important to think about when we're thinking about scoring, is the point about values. And yeah, metrics are quantifiable; they are uh, measurable and 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 objective. There's nothing that we can say that that says you know 1.5 million pounds of CO2 is not 1.5 million pounds of CO2 if we're measuring it accurately, of course. But um, the values piece is interesting because. One of the things that I think is is valuable from from scoring is that if uh, an individual is looking at you know a set of metrics that are quantifiable and are objective, it's hard to know what that means. And certainly, you know, that person can spend the time to think through if that's uh, a good thing to them, if they want to improve that or whatever it might be. But most people don't have the time to spend looking at every single metric in the world that they're trying to, to measure. So kind of providing those, those value-based scoring um, you know, systems for them uh, up front kind of takes the guesswork out of it, makes it a little bit easier. And if you trust the system that's making that or the, you know, the organization making that system, um, then you, know, you say, I trust the score and, and this seems like it's going in the right way. Um, 
So I really like that that you brought up that point. And I wonder then if, you know, this this is getting into kind of the the uh, key benefit of scoring, which is, you know, helping us actually drive towards behavior change and, and give us an understanding of how that improves. But before someone can actually improve their score, they have to get a score in the first place and see where they are. Um, I wonder uh, on your end, what you've seen from organizations that come in to do lead scoring in the TDM space um, and beyond on that baselining piece. Are people surprised when they get a score and they say, oh, shoot, I thought we were doing a lot better? Um, does it does the score help people really get an understanding of where they are? Yeah, this is a really good question. And I, I, I will cop right off the bat that when it comes to mobility and transportation, this is this is a challenge for our theory of change. I mean, like the theory of change for the green building community came from energy efficiency, that notion of kind of the idea that you you ask people to be 10 or 20 or 30 percent better than an energy code and to move forward. In a lot of ways, the last 25 years, we've tried to apply the same concept to mobility. And so, but mobility doesn't have a simple baseline. I mean, every every facility has a unique combination of occupants. It's in a unique location. And I think we've really grappled with and, and one of the ways that's reflected in what we do is a grappling with kind of consistent measurement. Like, in other words, do we want one measurement we apply all around the world for mobility or do we tailor it to urban, suburban, rural, to different settings. Yeah. And what is our ability to, as you said, generate positive change? Is everything a snowflake and thus it only is relevant to itself? That's one totally valid thing. On the other hand, you have another faction which says, hey, a green building is defined by very low VMT, very low emissions per occupant, and that's it. I, 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 I feel like I've really struggled. So today, our scoring makes the most sense for kind of office-based workers who are going to and from in a commuting mode and incentivizing them to take low carbon modes over shorter distances. Now, so we can create transparency around that. So I think the signal that we do best with rating today is transparency. How do people get to and from? How, you know, how are they getting there? What is the environmental impact of their commuting patterns? What do I think we do lousy? I think we don't do a good job of saying what that represents for that location. In other words, is this is this good for where I am or is it good for what I am? And I really get mm -hmm. I, I really grapple with places where the, the the commuting paradigm is a little different. So for what I mean by that is facilities are located for specific purposes, firehouses, medical, uh, healthcare centers. They have to be where they have to be for reasons that have nothing to do with the, with, with some of the things we value. So I, so I guess what I'm trying to put on the table is there are things we do well, understanding commuting patterns, and there's things we're going to do better as we do them together and, and provide better tools for that. But there are things that are philosophically hard to do. Like what constitutes green or low impact mobility for rural fire stations or rural healthcare settings? Or th that's not easy, right? And I'm, I'm not sure I know the yeah. right answer for that period. <laughs> so we're, we're, that yeah. we're grappling with those. And so obviously doing more TDM measures, 
on a prescriptive basis can be good, period. So there is always a role for, you know, wherever you are, these practices are probably good for you. Um, on the other hand, the performance data can be actually harder, can be, sometimes it's dead on. And as you say, it's easy to interpret. Sometimes it really is a head scratcher what we're, what, what direction we want the metrics to go and why. Anyway, we could talk more about that, but that's, I, I, I think there are, there are strengths and weaknesses to how we currently score transportation in our, in our, in the green building universe. Yeah. And that's interesting. And it's something that I think building that uh, story around an organization and a commuting or I guess in the context, in, in, in the context of commuting, thinking about is uh, 80%, you know, SOV drive alone rate good. I mean, probably not if you're in, or definitely not if you're in like Manhattan. Um, and definitely so if you're a rural firehouse, you know, like it, it's hard to get those measurements and kind of going back to um, another episode that we talked about, let's see, it would have been episode five um, when we talked with Claiborne Clark about the Colorado um, employer traffic reduction program. It's a similar kind of problem that they're facing as well. Um, and, you know, people are facing around the world. How do we uh, incentivize change without, you know, wrongfully punishing people who or organizations that just are not in the position to to have as good of a, a you know a, a TDM strategy in place, but like you said, putting TDM strategies in place can always help, and uh, you can go from 100% drive alone rate to 98, and that's great. That's an improvement. You know, you can still work on that, and so that gets to this next point, which is you have a score, you understand where you are. Let's say that we've we've figured it out and we've come to the perfect solution where we know exactly that you, uh, based on your you being a rural uh, fire station, compared to other rural fire stations, you get a great score, whatever it is. But uh, you know your neighboring fire station gets a bad score. So the the key here is, can we encourage and influence people to improve that score, improve their their systems, whether it's TDM or it's green buildings, um, in a in a kind of straightforward way. So. From your perspective, um, kind of looking at the the lead process, are people coming in seeing that they're you know let's say lead gold and saying I want to get up to lead platinum and that's important to me because I share the same values with you know the USGBC and I want to improve this um, this system and now I know I need to do X Y and Z. Are people actually working then towards this improvement? Yeah, I, that's this is a great question, and and the answer is yes. The short answer is yes. People do change. Now, the, the, there is a duality. So, I mean, lead tries to do two things. Lead is an environmental assessment on one level that creates transparency regardless of change. It's also a market transformation tool, and and lead is always kind of weighing these things. You know, saying where are you, and then can I get you to jump higher? And that's 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 intrinsic to what we do. When it comes to transportation, I think over the years we have we have come to understand that mobility choices are more and more systemic. You know, it, it's one thing to put bike racks there, but if the bike racks don't connect to a bike lane, if the bike lanes don't connect to a trail system, don't connect to a to a set of uh, of, of populations who can afford a bike, who can you know, and so forth and so on. There is a 
I think that over what I've seen over the last decade of working in the green building community is more and more appreciation for those dependencies. And I do think that, you know, we do, we, you know, we, it's not news that we, we, we have struggled to say, we've always tried to advocate for that, but you know, sometimes we're pilloried for saying, Hey, it's a bike rack credit. It's not as good as a, as a, as something else. I've, I've always kind of, you know, felt like that was a misunderstanding about saying, what are the incremental actions that that allow people to 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 have more mobility options. If the thing you were lacking was a bike rack, well then bike rack is damn well useful. If the thing you were lacking was a changing room because you you wanted to extend how far people could go, each one of them is a link in a chain. And I think that it's easy to pillory the links. Uh, that and that's a challenge we have is getting people to see the the forest for the trees. Often because the, the construction industry is very literal. They're like, hey, I got I got to put this bike rack in. Who's going to bike? I just drove up here in a truck. But it's it's a <laughs> And but the issue of looking at it from a and being open to the idea that it's not all or nothing. I'm trying to get the marginal person to take something other than an SOV. And the question is: Is my actions, whether it's transit subsidies, bus passes, whether it is it is 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 uh, uh, crosswalks and pedestrian access, whether what can I do in, within my rant, rant span of control that's going to make that marginal person marginally better? Then and then that's a different issue. That's what we struggle with about saying we can definitely help people improve in that way. Now, can I make a fire station in rural Idaho? have a commuting footprint that looks like downtown, you know, Vancouver, Canada. No. And so that's where the, that's where the, the, the emphasis, the, the, the balance between environmental assessment, like I need to be able to show that these things have different carbon footprints, but I also need to be able to meet them where they are to say there are, there are specific opportunities for improvement that are, that are available to each of those projects. So we exist in that tension. Often that nuance is hard to convey in the, you know, in the battle that, re- that individual projects represent, but that is always our aspiration. So to provide transparency about what it is and to help the team do something specific and better. And, and I do think to our, to our credit over the years, that emphasis on systemic change. What is the weakest link in that delivery vehicle for mobility that, and going from there? And actually, that's the last thing I'll say about that. I think you're going to see more of that. I think you're going to see a greater emphasis on sustainable travel options, diversity of options, and, 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 and being things that are a little more that, that, that a, a property owner can create options and create mobility options for different, different groups. Uh, there's more to say about all that, but I, that gives you a flavor of the kind of conversations we have on a regular basis. And what, you know, and what I like about this is that from a developer perspective, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a building developer, but I could imagine I've had conversations with them. Um, I look at a bike rack and I say, this is going to cost me X dollars and I don't see anyone biking right now. There's no bike lanes or whatever it is. Um, this is not uh, a good use of our of our money, but like you said, it's a whole systemic you know systemic system. Uh, it's a system, so you know we uh, we need the bike racks, we need the bike lanes. If you build bike lanes, you don't have a place to park the bike, then it's it's relevant. So you have to work together. You know the city's working with the uh, property developers and, and getting that whole system in place. So what something like lead uh, a lead score does, um, or what something like a commuter score does in commuting is now I know as a, as a uh, you know, person in charge, as a manager to the system, that there's some inherent benefit to this because I get X number of points or I improve my score by X number. Um, it's not just a, a you know, dollar line on a budget. Uh, there's actually something that can come from that. So it gives me 
an understanding of, you know, this is worth, let's say one point and, uh, you know, subsidizing transit for hundred percent cost or something is worth two points. Okay. Now I can kind of compare this to, I can understand how it works. I don't know if that's how the scoring works, but yeah, throwing it out there. Um, I really like that. I think that's, it's a good point. And, and the, once again, I mean, this, we have these conversations every week with different people and it all comes down to, this is going to be a, a group effort looking at it. It's going to come down to the, you know, the cities, the states, the government agencies, it's going to come down to um, employers and uh, property developers as well. Now that we're talking with you, I think this is the first real conversation from that perspective and it's really important. And it also comes down to commuters as well, making those behavioral choices. Um, but to, for us to actually get from everyone driving alone to having this, you know, perfect utopia of being able to take whatever mode of transportation you want and clean skies and everything is going to take a lot from every community. Um, and I'm really excited about what Leeds doing and what you all are doing um, to support them at ARC. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we're towards the end of our time here that we could keep talking forever. Uh, and, and we often do, and we talk offline about this all the time. So, uh, you know, if anyone's listening and wants to jump in on a call, let me know. Um, but uh, let's, let's go to our final question here. Um, like always, we like to summarize everything we've talked about. So Chris, in a couple of sentences, uh, can you tell me why will scoring help save the planet? <laughs> I, fundamentally, the reason that I, I value scoring is it interprets performance. It defines what better looks like. And, and I think that that level of directionality, a score is an opinion whether you're credit worthy or whether you have high or low VMT or whether your building is energy efficient, a score is a direction. And, and our, and our goal is to get, create that transparency. And I often say of ourselves, we are the market failure people. We are looking for places where information is absent, where, where we believe by injecting information, we can help people make better resource allocation decisions to address that market failure with information. We do that with scores. And it, we do that with scores that also become glass plaques and do other things. But I want, I am trying to both create that transparency to overcome market failures. And I am trying to support that person on a project team who is in there arguing for the bike rack or the changing room or the whatever, and give them a little more ammunition to on the margin win that battle. And, and if I can do one of those two things, address market failure to, to, uh, to, create more value for better places or to help that practitioner win by giving a little more weight to that positive thing that they want to do. That's, that's our small bit of how we save the world. Couldn't have said it better myself. I really like that answer. Um, great. Well, Chris, it's, it's been great talking. Um, and everyone, thanks for joining us today on this, on this conversation, um, in this episode of between the lines. Uh, make sure you all go on and subscribe to our podcast, to our email list. We send out more resources after every episode um, as just a recap of what we've been talking about. Uh, you, can, you can do that at betweenthelines.io and follow us. Um, subscribe on, on wherever you're listening to podcasts, Spotify, Apple um, Podcasts or Google Podcasts. And watch, watch our videos on YouTube. If you're just listening to us, you don't really get the full effect until you see my hair um, flowing in, in the breeze here as we're talking. But uh, it's been great uh, having you on, Chris. Like we always do, we finish off with this one last thing. We're building this commuter playlist, this music playlist on Spotify, because most people probably aren't quite to their destination yet. So you want to fill it up with some with some music. And we love to have um, our guests give us their, give us their songs they want to add on. So Chris, what would you like to add to our playlist? 
only because it seems situational. So I have a 15 year old daughter who, uh, and so my taste in music is saturated, not taste. Actually, my musical experience is saturated. <laughs> so all I can say is I, I can't see how it couldn't be Olivia Rodrigo and driver's license. It, I, was, it, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, all I can do, it seems to be, it is every 15 year old's experience right now. So, and that is what's playing in my kitchen. <laughs> That's great. You know what? I, uh, I was hesitant at first to listen to that song and I think it's great. I think it's a great song. And once you said you had a 15 year old daughter, I was like, taking the note. Okay. This is what it's going to be. I mean, it's crazy. It's honestly crazy. It's not on the playlist yet. So I'm glad we got it now. Um, perfect. Well, Chris, thanks for joining me today and, and everyone listening and watching. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week on Between the Lines. Awesome. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Between the Lines with Andy Keaton. Be sure to subscribe to hear next week's episode and check out our exclusive commuter playlists on Spotify.